Kevin Mondro here, Coach Dro, D-R-O. Welcome back to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, the podcast where we advocate coaches and help young coaches learn from the coaches telling these stories. I have received some awesome feedback on episode three with Candace Finley. Candace is the associate head coach recruiting coordinator for the women's program at Xavier University. As you heard in episode three, Candace is ready to be a head coach very soon. In my opinion, mid-major athletic directors should be listening and studying to this podcast. If you do have a head coach opening soon, I think Candace presented 45 minutes why she should be on your radar. Okay, will you please, please reach out to all of your coaching friends today? All the young coaches out there listening to the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast, grab a friend, get them here. Who you are about to listen to today is why this podcast was created. Today, I am talking to Coach Phil Martelli. Coach Martelli is currently the associate head coach for Jawan Howard at the University of Michigan. Coach Martelli was a head coach at St. Joe's for 24 years. Coach was also the National Coach of the Year in 2004. I was so lucky to be his neighbor for over a year. Do you remember the book, Tuesdays with Maury by Mitch Album? Essentially, Mitch spent every Tuesday with Maury. And on these visits, Maury would share his thoughts on life to Mitch. Now, trust me, Coach Martelli is not going anywhere soon. He has the energy of a 23-year-old. During that one year where we were neighbors, Coach Phil was constantly teaching and sharing knowledge with me. As you soon will hear, this podcast is about how Coach Martelli truly gives back. No doubt, you will hear that Coach Martelli is a teacher. Phil makes an impact daily on the people he encounters. And finally, Phil is a husband, a father, and a grandparent. Family and coaching is truly who Coach Martelli is. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform you are currently listening to. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. All I ask is that you keep on telling your coaching friends about this podcast. As JJ, my son, always says, here we go, Dad. Sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation with Coach Phil Martelli. It is my absolute pleasure to get to Coach Martelli and tell his story. Real quick, before we dive in, I need to tell you about a new affiliate partner that I am super excited to support. That friend, Desmond Ferguson, the owner of Moneyball Sportswear. As soon as this podcast is over, go to moneyballsportswear.com. It did not matter to me in year one or year 20 of my college coaching career. One of the best times of the season was getting new gear. Let me tell you about the gear that Moneyball produces. Men's, women's, boys and girls. Sports attire. Hoodies, sweatshirts, t-shirts, shorts. High quality and affordable. And if you're a high school and or AAU coach and you need a new set of uniforms, I'm telling you, please reach out to Moneyball ASAP. The uniforms that Desmond and his team create are simply spectacular. Go to MoneyballSportswear.com. Shop away. Enter the promo code DRO, D-R-O, in the coupon checkout. Grow with us. Moneyball, the only way to ball. Coach Martelli, every day that you can learn and teach is a great day. I've heard you say, why do you coach? I coach to uh, impact each individual person that I come in contact with in the smallest of ways. And that could be in 
the most joyful of moments where they, where we've won a big game, we've won a championship, or it could be in the toughest of moments where you've lost a game, uh, player didn't play as well. Uh, but I, I believe that every day, if I could have an impact on a, a young person, could be a manager, mm. could be another coach, um, could be somebody, a fan that you meet in interaction. Um, I think every day that you get the opportunity, and it will be, and it will come every day. Um, I think the goal is to have a positive impact from each and every person. And then on the flip side, being selfish, I think you have to take each day and learn from everybody you come in contact with. I mean, these young people today, uh, w- with their advances in technology, right? They can. Uh, they can guide you through. We'll never get to their level, but we can. They can guide us through uh, making us functional in their world. How do you stay grounded? Like you talked about the wins and the losses. Like even in tough times, like over throughout your career, how have you stayed grounded to still make an impact, even when things weren't going right? Uh, that's a really great question. But I think I think it comes back to uh, like coming outside of yourself as a coach, as a teacher. Um, uh, and it's really a parental lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, you have those days where you, <laughs> where you're, you just don't have it, but you know that there's a young person could be your own son. Yeah. Uh, they're watching mm-hmm. and, and they're picking up. Uh, so, so I think, uh, the grounded part is not getting all caught up in, in, in what you do. Yeah whether you drive a truck, whether you are a principal of a school, whether you're an assistant basketball coach and being focused on, am I presenting the real me yeah. to, uh, to, to not just a young person, but to your spouse, uh, to your coworkers. Um, and that's a learned behavior because I know that, that earlier in my career, it was life and death on winning games. Right. And then it became life and death in recruiting. Right. And when the social media explosion happened, every day people were judging you on winning and losing and recruiting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? This isn't this isn't yeah. healthy. Yeah. And you need to take that time to present the real you. And that that would be my biggest thing about being grounded. Just just be real. Just be real. Uh, even if you're a jackass, be be a real jackass each and every time that you're out there. You know, talking about being real, and you're obviously the, currently the associate head coach at Michigan for Juwan Howard and 24 great years at St. Joe's. But I heard you recently say that this game is about people, not about the title. And I think it's just kind of what you touched about. Can you maybe illustrate a little bit more on that for young coaches out there? Well, I think sometimes that, and I'm not knocking young coaches, but I think sometimes young coaches get caught up in in. Uh, coach this or coach that and and uh, and I understand respect, but I also would like to know what do they know about that person uh, that they're with it's the same thing in recruiting. what do you really know about the young person that's in front of you uh, so look in the game itself, yeah there's the Princeton offense and there's a John Cheney defense and maybe you know if you expand your your mind and say, well, there, there's a Rick Patino press, but everything else is, is really what's your belief in what you're teaching. Right. And the people that you're teaching, what's your belief in them and what's their belief in you. So, uh, I just, 
I just wish that we could get young coaches to slow down mm-hmm. and recognize that you're not a coach. You're a teacher first. Yeah. And you're a teacher of, yes, the skills in basketball, but you also have to be a teacher in the game of life. Right. And that's probably more important than the game of basketball. Yeah. So I'm just coming off 20 years mid-major. Not not much uh, in terms of head coaching experience like yourself, but you know, when I reflect on my journey and where I'm at right now and trying to like bring people like you to let, let younger coaches hear about you, you know, I think about just like maybe the best moments of my coaching or career were helping young men become men um, versus the wins and losses. And I really can't remember many of the losses. I don't know. I just, I can't remember them anymore. Like someone said, Oh, do you remember losing to Kent State? I'm like, I don't remember that, mm. but I do remember James Thompson graduating and things like that. It's just has, how hard is it in this profession to balance both? I mean, especially since you had this unbelievable run at St. Joe's and then it comes to an end. We don't have to get into specifics, but just like, like wins and losses. Like it's always, it always comes back to wins and losses. And that's a challenge for me. I I think that the, 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 um, like every win is not a winning experience and every loss is not a losing experience. Mm. And if you, if you can maintain your values and you have to decide on those values, like you really have to decide on those values. It's not going to sell like graduation rates are not going to sell. If your winning percentage is not Mm -hmm. what others expect. If, uh, if your dealings with the public, you know, whether it's charitable endeavors or public speaking or whatever, if if your wins don't measure up, but but you cannot sell your soul yeah. for a win, and you can't be willing to sell your soul after a loss. So uh, I think the greatest teachers that I've been around, you can go into their classroom. You don't know if it's Tuesday and yeah. Christmas break is coming up, yeah. or you don't know if they've just come back from spring break. Yeah. But there's an energy about the person and I think the same as, as coaches. Look, with basketball players, the wins last too long. Yeah. And the losses, they leave too early. And with coaches, the losses last too long and the wins are fleeting. Yeah. So, as you well know, uh, my friend for 45 years is Gino Oriyama. Yes. And I used to say to him, how do you do it year after year? And he said... I always celebrate the wins. Yeah. I always, I don't want people to take that for granted. So if they've gone, I don't know, 15 years in a row and they've won the regular season and the postseason, he has the same type of of uh, celebration because it might be a player on his team's only chance to win a championship. Mm. Um, and I don't think this is all about championships. I don't think it's all about winning. I understand yeah. when people say uh, – and and they value that. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm going to say hello to you and you're the custodian in the building, I damn better not just say hello after wins. Right. I better be the same person. And the same with my team. Yeah. You know, if, if, and this was a learned behavior, I was never long in the locker room after a win or a loss. Okay. Because I thought that that was just too emotional a moment. Mm. Uh, so if you, if if you end up staying in there long, trying to solve everything after a loss, it minimizes the short period of time that you stay in there after a win, and that's just not right. What about so we'll we'll stay on this topic? Like 
I've heard you speak about taking your temperature mm-hmm. and I've least recently listened to you on a few different podcasts here. You're about talking about taking your temperature and I'm trying to now do it as a parent, taking my, te- taking my son's temperature. Can you just speak about this a little bit? I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. I, I think that, um, we all bring, um, we all bring different emotions. We bring different senses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bring, uh, tired or not tired. Good night's sleep, bad night's sleep. We all bring that every day when we wake up. Yeah. So when we go through our day, you're a college basketball player and you go to class, and hopefully we're all going to return to class. Uh, But at the same time, a coach might be bringing something where, like in my case, I have nine grandchildren. Right. And I might get a call in the morning that so-and-so sick or or, or they're having a tough time in school. They they could be being bullied or Mm -hmm. or – uh, they don't make a basketball team or, or whatever it would be. Yeah. And that, that's with you. Yeah. That's with you. And that takes your temperature. Yeah. Could take you really hot. Mm-hmm. Could take you really cold. And I think with a basketball team, when you're taking the temperature of your basketball team, uh, are they too high after a win? Uh, are they too slow after a day off? What did they do on their day off? Uh do you have a guy rushing in? Like, what's the reason he's coming in? Yeah. Late? And when he comes in late, he's going to come in hot. Right. So your temperature is taken every single day. And us, we, we, I'm sorry, we as parents, yeah. we as teachers, we as mentors, and we as coaches take their temperature by really looking them in the eye. Hmm. Their eyes will tell you. Yeah. What, what their temperature is. That, that was my next question. Did you like talk about this with your staff or I think you hit it on it. Like you looked your guys in your eyes and, and you knew where they stood. That's, and I would say that to, to my staff, I would say, yeah, he's off. He's really? off. And rather than just say he's off, let's see what we can do to lower or mm-hmm. raise their, their individual temperatures. Everybody in your program, everybody in your household has a temperature. You as the leader, right. as the parent, as the coach, as the teacher, you need to take those temperatures. How do you how do you check your own temperature? Like personally right now, like how did you check your temperature this morning? Uh it's that's an interesting uh because I want to get I need to get better. I don't want to. I need to get better. And uh like the first thing that I do in the morning is I try to bring everything to a to a calm. Mm. And I try to read a little bit. Yeah. Could be the newspaper. I read, you know, I, I get my <laughs> newspapers. Uh, so I, I, the I'll secret's read. out. We <laughs> coached Martell and I were neighbors for about 18 months. <laughs> so I, I read the newspaper. Um, you like to walk. I love, I love to walk. And, um, uh, I am a notorious, notorious note maker. Yes. So I might script out my day. Yeah. And say script out you know, your day. Like, wow. Here, here's, Here's six or seven calls that I want to make. Right. Um, and then I try to get away. I yeah. try to shut everything off, get my walk in, say my prayers during that period of time. Okay. And then, and I know, and I know when I, when I've, when I'm on, mm-hmm. and I know when I need to like raise this up. And if I had a regret, uh, a regret, not in my last couple of years as head coach, but, Earlier in that, yeah, 
I wouldn't let people in on my temperature. Mm. Like I would walk in and say, uh, business as usual. Here's, yeah. our, here's our staff meeting. Here's our practice. Right. And yet there were things, whether it was, you know, uh, my parents yeah. were taking ill or, right. uh, you know, my, my sons were going something, going mm-hmm. through something with yeah. their program. Right. Uh, and I need, I should have done a better job expressing my temperature but also taking the temperature of the assistant coach and just not say, you know, like you guys are good, right? Because you're not. I, I just think it's an incredible life lesson, you know, obviously for being a coach, but being a teacher, but being a parent, being a person, it's an awesome way to live yeah. life. I mean, you, you're onto something. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Let's talk about a date in infamy for you. October 15th, 1979. Why is this date so important to you? And how can this help young coaches? Oh, well, I was 23 years old. And I was the head basketball coach. It was the first day of practice as a head basketball coach at Bishop Kenrick High School. And um, because they had named me my the coach, I had self-proclaimed myself a genius. Mm-hmm. That I knew everything there was to know about basketball. And don't bother me about <laughs> out-of-bounds plays. At 23. Don't bother me. Right? I knew I knew. Everything. And thank God I've gotten dumber and, and gotten better at my craft. Not at all. Uh, but <laughs> so uh, we practiced that day. We practiced three hours and 10 minutes. Wow. And there was no script. We literally practiced and we would be at one end doing a rebounding drill. And my brain would be, well, we should shoot fouls next. And then they would shoot fouls and I would not concentrate on foul shooting. I would concentrate on the shell j- drill mm-hmm. at the other end. And at the end of the three hours and 10 minutes, I went home and I, I, I really did. I, I broke down a little bit because I didn't know what I was going to teach on October 16th wow. because I had given them everything that I had and I didn't have a script. Hmm. And we went through the whole year like that. So October 20th was not different than October 15th. Gotcha. And February 1st was not different. And I, I, all I ever wanted to be was a head basketball coach in the Philadelphia Catholic League. Mm. And I didn't have a plan. Mm. And it was miserable. It was exhausting not having a plan. Then I was fortunate enough. and uh, My wife played at Immaculata College. She won national championships. Her yeah, teams, she's a pretty good player. Her, her, team's, <laughs> her team's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, and Kathy Rush, who was in the Hall of Fame, was right. her coach. That summer, she said to me, let me see your plan. I didn't have a plan. Yeah. She said, let me see your daily plan. I said, I don't, I don't have a daily plan. So what'd you want to teach each week? What'd you yeah. teach each month? What'd yeah. you teach? What was your overall uh, ideas on teaching? And I really didn't. So someone had given me the title. Yeah. I had then expanded the title to include genius. <laughs> and uh, it was miserable. And it was the only team that I coached in high school that did not make the playoffs. So to make the playoffs in the Philadelphia Catholic League is a badge of honor. Yeah, for sure. And we didn't make the playoffs, and it was not because of poor players. It was because of poor coaching. Hmm. And um, uh, from that moment forward, yeah. that moment forward, I think uh, that you and I have had this conversation. I scripted everything. If we had a 15-minute walkthrough, yeah. I scripted it. If it was a, a shoot-around at the NCAA tournament, yeah. it was scripted. Yeah. It was scripted. And I did not move off that script. Script. Uh-huh. I stayed. And, uh, and and even being with Jawan Howard has been harder because yeah. 
he kind of flows. Right. He, he has a script. Yeah. But he'll stay yeah. when he's feeling it. When, right. When, it, it's remarkable. Yeah. It's remarkable teaching that is going on. Yeah. Uh, it is uncomfortable for me. Right. Because if you were to walk in and practice started at 3.30, practice started at 3.30. Right. And when practice ended at 5.10, mm-hmm. it ended at 5.10. It didn't end at 5.11. Yeah. It didn't end at 5.12. And I would always say, I would, my friends would, uh, who are high school coaches would stop and say, man, this is the only place where, like, you stated a script. And I always felt, yeah, you know what, if it was off, yeah. it was not the player's fault. It was my explanation. We can come back to that. That's pretty amazing. I worked for Perry Watson for 15 years, and he would, he would, working with Steve Fisher, and they he got it from, like, Dean Smith. And I remember as a young assistant, I mean, if we went one minute over, he was taking a minute out somewhere else. And I just yeah. thought it was fascinating. Like, and he loved to like, it was a, it was like, a, I can't even describe how much pleasure he joy like had from creating the practice script. I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. I believe he loved the, the practice. The practice script is your classroom. Yeah. Right. And he was a teacher so, too. Right. So. so the best teachers yeah. in any high school. Right. Right. Lesson the best. Plans. T- yeah. They have a plan. It's great. Right. There's not chaos. There's there's it's no incredible. free flow. And <laughs> and so if that's my classroom, then I want that same ambiance. And um, w- when I think back, when I think back to uh, that first year, it was exhausting. Yeah. Because when I had a script. Yeah. Then I never even look up to see what time it is. Yeah. Because where the script is done, then I know it's five fifteen. Is it okay to have a shorter practice but scripted? Oh, I I don't think there's anything wrong with having shorter practice and yeah, you know, as the seasons go on or if it's the day of a game or or anything like that. But um, you know, scripted. Think about the best camps you ever worked, Kevin. Yeah. Think about those best camps. The best camps from nine forty to ten twenty stations. Right. Ten twenty to 1050 three on three. Right. 1050 to 1120 foul shooting. 1120 to 12 o'clock, five on five. 12 o'clock lunch. Yeah. Right? Why? Because you have all these kids <laughs> and you have all this kinetic energy. Yeah. And if you let it out, it's going to be chaos. Well, you're responsible yeah. to organize. Time for a quick 30-second timeout. I hope that you are enjoying today's conversation. Getting this podcast to you is all because of my friends at Buzzsprout. For years, I wanted to start a podcast so bad with Coach Murphy at Eastern Michigan. I thought it could help so much with the branding of our program, in recruiting, and simply letting people know what a great coach and person that Coach Rob Murphy was. Imagine if you started a podcast in your basketball office today. Think about it. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. They have already helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. You also get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and so much more. To start your own podcast, 
follow the link in my show notes below. Let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. Guess what? You'll also get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan. And this helps support my show. Buzzsprout, the easiest way to start a podcast. Who, who taught you to be on time? I know being time is a huge thing for you. Coach Watson always, you know, I always go back to my first college coach and I worked for, he talked about Lombardi time, Vince Lombardi. Like if Lombardi time was one o'clock, that was really 1250. Like the art of being on time. I've, I've often thought about that. Yeah. And, and when people describe like 10 minutes early is on time, my opinion, I think that's being disrespectful Mm. because if you're telling somebody one o'clock, then it's one o'clock. Right. Because maybe they have a treatment at 1250. Right. So I've never been. Yeah. But one o'clock is one o'clock. Yeah. If the bus is leaving at one o'clock, the bus is leaving at one o'clock. Not 101. And not 101. And I always thought it was a life lesson. Yeah. Because let's suppose that you want to get into, um, let's suppose you want to start a landscaping company. Right. And you need the bank to loan you. Pick a number, $50,000. Right. And the banker says, I'll meet you at 10 o'clock. Right. If you roll in there at 10 after 10, right, I hear you. That $50,000 is gone. Yeah. Because he gave it to another landscaper who he thought was more reliable than you. Yeah. So, so, uh, and, and I'm the first to admit, I also could time, I could time the traffic lights <laughs> to, to, to get places. But I think the way I learned it, this sounds this sounds like really uh, kind of maybe strange, but my first teaching job was at a Catholic high school. Yep. So the varsity, the JV, and the freshmen all had to practice in a window because the school was closing at eight thirty at night. Okay. So if 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 the yeah freshmen were to go fifteen minutes too long. And then the, the JV. So I always thought, I've always felt like it's the ultimate sign of respect. Uh, and it's also a life lesson because somewhere, sometime, you're going to have to be at a business meeting. And if you're late, yeah, the opportunity maybe go like that. Do the kids that you've coached over the years always come back to you with that and say, coach, thanks for teaching me that? Uh yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, it's there small, are th- but it's there, big. <laughs> there are things that 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 you, that you don't know that they're yeah paying attention to. Yeah, but I would always in my meetings under I would say to them, I'm going to respect your time. Right. So think about the college guys you've had, Kevin. Like they have a right, they have a right to be a college freshman. They have the right to be a college senior. Yeah. Right. That might mean. But why did nobody think like that? <laughs> well, I, I think it's the I think it's the ego that runs away from us. I yeah, think, I think that in in I think basketball coaches have a healthy ego. Yeah, some have an ego that are out of control. Yeah, and I go back to the orig, orig, earlier point. This is about this is about people teaching, right? Yeah. This is about people, and um, you know, and I can't really remember my playing time where where well, this is the way. We we were treated, but I would think that it was like yeah. I, I think players today having structure, but having the freedom. You know, 
what if mom and dad are coming to town here in Michigan? Right? right. A lot of these kids are from out of the area. Yeah. Their parents are coming to town. They say, we're going to be done practice at 630, so they make a reservation for dinner. Right. What right do you have to take that Yeah. Take that f- from them? Such you an know? awesome mindset. Um, That's great. So if you came to uh, my – if let's say I got back into coaching or you were at a high school practice and you saw a coach say, let's do it one more time. Oh, jeez. Would you walk out? No, I would never. <laughs> I would never. I would never. Would you go and say, Kevin, please, what are you please, doing? Please, any coach that listens, remove that from your vocabulary. <laughs> your players don't trust you. They know you're not going to do it one more time. They know it. And no one out there has ever done it one more time. And what are you trying to get to? Yeah. If you're looking for perfection, this is a game of imperfection. Mm. So that one more time is really just chipping away at the trust that your players need to have in you. And you have to have in them and in yourself. Yeah. So couldn't do it. Couldn't do the let's do it one more time. And, and so, so if I worked for you and you were like, Kevin, like, we're not going to do it one more time. Would it be on me to teach it better, the skill better or the or the drill or, or all of us? Or yeah. would it just be like you said, like the game is like a messy roller coaster is ups and downs yeah. and you just got to expect that. I, I think that's an, an orth- it's a different way to approach it. Um, I love it. I, I, I it's one of the reasons, Kevin, like uh like in my practices, as much as I like to talk, and, yeah. and I, I was not stopping practice and explaining everything. Yeah. My f- mindset was Friday night, high school gym, crosstown rival, packed place. Well, you can't stop it every time you want to fix something. Yeah. You don't have that many timeouts. Yeah. You don't have that many stoppages of play. Yeah. So when do they learn to kind of yeah. get through that? When do they... When, when, when do you learn as the coach yeah. to be as concise and precise in your messaging? Concise and precise. To, that's excellent. Yeah. To, to them. Uh, Isn't it? But this stopping, yeah. this stopping and talking yeah. through what has happened, better served after practice, in my opinion. Mm. Better served. Like we, we sit, we're yeah. working together. And I said, Kevin, what, what, yeah. you know, what, what did I miss? What, yeah. What'd you see? Uh, yeah. Or if there's a particular kid, yeah. rather than hold the whole group up and everybody's watching and saying, well, why is he talking to right. Hunter all the time? Yeah. You grab him after practice and say, hey, let me just walk you through this. It's incredible to me that everything always goes back to you with high school. I mean, you're a 2004 National Coach of the Year. I mean, it's in, which is an unbelievable honor. And you are such a great Division One coach, but just – 27 minutes into this podcast, you've mentioned high school so much. It's just, I found myself now that I'm out of the game a little bit, like I probably not disrespected high school coaches, but didn't value the jobs that they really do. I it's think, extraordinary. You, you know, you get in this profession, you just because you're paid a little bit more and you're making recruiting calls or get to do it for like a profession, you think you're better than those coaches, but it's, you know, I've always thought that the best high school coaches always go on to be the best college assistants and then head coaches. I mean, Nate Oates is a perfect example to me. Yeah. There's, there, there are, uh, I mean, I, I've said this, uh, for a long time in a lot of different forums, the best basketball coach that I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gene Oriem is right. my guy and Mike Krzyzewski a friend. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, I don't know Popovich, but who, if if everybody considers him 
Mm-hmm. The best basketball coach that I've ever seen is Bob Hurley from St. Anthony's. Yeah. He had no gym. Yeah. Wow. He finished his career a thousand games over 500. Wow. Right. He only lost, I don't know, 115 yeah. games or, or whatever that would be. Yeah. But teaching the game of basketball was, was just extraordinary. And I would always go there in the hopes of just picking up mm-hmm. one thing, one, 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 a drill, one kind of wording. Yeah. Um, and I've always thought, and their jobs have gotten harder. I really do. I think that their jobs have gotten more challenging when you have all the transferring that goes on in high school. Right. Prep schools. Uh, I think there yeah. used to be yeah. this love of, there used to be this love of playing with your friends. Right. You know, you grew up or, yeah. or playing against your friends from, yeah. the, from the next school yeah. district or, right. or whatever. And it's, it's lost. Yeah. You know? And I'm not knocking. No, no. There, there, no. Are, there are coaches in the summer who are really, really good basketball coaches. Oh, for sure. But I think one of the high school coaches is yeah. dealing with a school board, when he's dealing with the pettiness sometimes that can happen on a team at the high school level. Um, I, yeah, I already know. I'm five, I have a five-and-a-half-year-old. I'm already a nutty parent, so I can't even imagine what I'll be like when he's 13. I, I think that uh, – <laughs> I feel bad for that coach. <laughs> I really do. I, I am – It's a, amazing. I'm a it's, great admirer of yeah. – of, uh, yeah of high school coaches. And I would always say this, and I would ask you to think about the same thing. When you would be out there recruiting, I always tried to learn one thing yeah. in, in a, in a gym. And, and if they were to ask me what I thought, I would not shy away from, Hey, uh, like I saw something. I saw something on the high school weekends recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A really close friend of mine was coaching a really good team. Yeah. And uh, they were pressing, and they tipped the ball out of bounds. Yeah, while pressing, right? They tipped the ball out of bounds, and he went back to face guarding. And so after the game, I said, "Hey, just just a thought. That guy can't move once you tip the ball out of bounds. Why didn't you go up and pressure him? Yeah, on the ball, right? Why, why be? On, why not yeah. be on the ball in that right. situation? Yeah. And he's like, "Oh yeah." So I think that that yeah. we should all share. Yeah. I think we should all steal from each other. For sure. And uh I I I just have so many fond memories and and friends wish, of guys that I coached against and coached with. Yeah. I wish and, I could go back in a time machine and watch yeah. you coach your high school team. Yeah. That'd have been really cool. I I wish I was better at it if I would have won more championships. <laughs> Who taught you never to use a whistle in practice? Uh you know, that's a great question. And and I I think I think it was Kathy Rush. Mm. Uh, my thinking there was we're in a confined space Yeah, on Friday night or on in March in the state tournament, you can't have a whistle on the sideline. Mm. So when do you practice them hearing your voice? Wow. When do you practice your voice being yeah. strong enough to get a message across? Um, uh, I've seen coach Beeline so, coach with no whistle too. He was the first I saw. Yeah, so I never, I never, I never, 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 not one college practice, and after my after my first year, I don't think any high school practice did I ever have a whistle. Never, mm. never. And it was that was my thinking. I never explained. I might not have explained it to people, yeah, uh, to the players, but that was my thinking. Friday night, pack gym, no whistles used. So you want when to do you teach them to hear your voice. 
That's interesting. The uh, what about starting practice with a bang? I've heard you've told me this personally that you always like to right away. Is it is it goes back to measuring the temperature, or do you want to yes. just get them going? Or no, it's measure measure the temperature. And what would be an example of a drill you might start a practice with? I think well, you showed I, me like the two minute. Yeah, laps. I have about I have about sixteen or seventeen of them, <laughs> and interestingly enough, that that's one of my charges at our Michigan practices. Really, uh, we focus on the finish of the layup. What I finished was the goal and the time. Yeah. So we would do a four-minute drill to start every practice, and it involved passing, cutting, ball handling, and layup shooting. And there was a team goal. There was a team goal. We focused on the makes, not the misses. But we would count misses. Yeah. Um, And the coaches would be involved in the drill uh, because I I wanted to see you. I want you to pass the ball. I want to throw it back to Kevin, you know, use your name or whatever yeah. it would be. Um, because I didn't want you pouting over seven shots the night before and not 11 shots the night before. I didn't want you pouting over three minutes as opposed to 33 minutes. And uh, So get everyone involved right away. Everybody, Everybody's involved. Everybody's involved. If a kid was struggling with a class or a girlfriend. That he was you, bringing that to practice. So you wanted and to you, drop that. I, you, I had to see that. I had to see that. And what also happens is because you have a team goal, yeah. positive peer pressure kicks in. Yeah. You know, they start talking to each other. Right. And then by the time that four-minute drill is up. You see your leaders, yeah. You're in basketball. Yeah. Right? You're no longger in uh Western Civ, where the kid just got a 67 or, or right. a detention or whatever yeah. it would be. Yeah. Um, or now these days, a text or a message right. or something that, yeah. What about the the idea of playing one-on-one? I know we've had some conversations before, and you would say, Kevin, talk to me about your you know your post-development, and you would listen to me, and you say, how come you don't play any one-on-one? <laughs> I was just like, you're right. And then I'll tell Coach Murphy, he's like, I've been telling you that for nine years. Uh, one-on-one. Is one, that a Philly thing? No. Is, is it just is it a Coach Martelli thing? Like, where is one, this one-on-one? One-on-one. And so you have what, drills, like, of drills of one-on-one. What, whatever you think, whatever you think of a particular drill or whatever, or whatever video, I know you're, a, you're crazy about watching videos and creating this library and things like that. All of these ideas... Tell me another drill that tests our conditioning as a player, yeah. our competitive spirit as a player, our offense and defensive skills. It's it to me, to me, it's and I don't. There's not a lot of absolutes because I don't have, yeah, you know. But to me, it's a no brainer, and I believe that coaches don't play one on one because they don't want somebody walking by. And it's like in the park and everybody's lined up and you're thinking like, well, that's no, that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you know this, like, yeah, again, 15, 16, 17, 18 drills of one-on-one. Is it long? Four minutes. That's not long. So every day in practice, one-on-one. Every, every day. What about every in the summer? Day. Like now, would you, if it was oh, up to you, would you play one-on-one all the time? Be tremendous. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll give you this. Uh, I'll give you this. Like, I think you want to run a great camp. Yeah. You want to run a really great camp? Forget knockout. Yeah. Forget all that. Have a station where they play one-on-one. They can't wait to play one-on-one. Yeah. Because there's no kid that walks into a gym yeah. and looks around and thinks, I wonder if I'm better than him. Yeah, And for maybe sure. for one day they are. What? And, and to 
I'm, I'm just fascinated by the game. And I think if you break it down yeah. and you look at possessions and the NBA playoffs are going to start and you think, man, what a, what a one-on-one move. What, how did he get that one-on-one? He didn't, he didn't, yeah. He didn't create that move playing against a cone. Yeah. Like everybody plays against the cones now. Yeah. And everybody goes one on oh and everybody right. has a, a teacher. Yeah, but what what about yeah. what's wrong with like Yeah, it's interesting because I know skill development is so big to you. So I'm guessing you would teach a skill and then you would want to see where that skill measures. I, I, I would want to I mean, I've shared this with you. Like yeah. I, I had I had a one on one and it's not I had, but I used a one on one drill that I called opposite hand. Well, what do you mean? Well, if you're right-handed, you have to play the whole drill left-handed. You have to shoot it left-handed. Huh. You have to you have to figure out a way to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh I I didn't want one-on-one to come, okay, Kevin, you're going to back me down. Yeah. I'm going right. to take seven dribbles like you did against your little brother. <laughs> like right. Well, what about so this is interesting cuz you know coach Murphy worked for coach Beheim for years and I used to always coach would always be he was really simple and you know obviously he would talk about coach Beheim and coach Beheim would be like yeah, you got to get that guy to his spot and then let him do his thing. And it would be simply like, bring him off a pin down. He gets the ball, he either shoots it or goes by the guy. And it was like, we would be sitting in practice and drawing up these counters or counters and coach would be like, I just don't know what you guys like, get him to there and make sure he can get to that point. No, I think. And it was just like, I'm just like, it makes sense. I mean, it's the second all time winning as coach. He just plays, he and plays zone chance, and he and plays I, he's simple I, man to man. I had a chance to work with him, uh, Jim Beheim, USA right. basketball in Japan. And, and, uh, you know, we would do it every day. You know, here's the, here's the three over. We had Karan Butler. Yeah. We had three over and we had the, and, um, we practiced a lot of shooting, which I think all coaches, like, yeah. if that's a message that everybody could get. Yeah. He must, as basketball coaches, Get our guys practicing more shooting. Pre or post practice or during. I, more, during. 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 Uh, uh, so, yeah, it was not complicated. Uh, and he wasn't, tr- he wasn't trying to be seen as a brilliant You're tactician. Right. Yeah. Right? And, it, and if people go back and say. Yeah. What what is it that what is it that Duke did better than anybody? Well, Duke would get the matchup that they wanted, the mismatch, and yeah. they had players. Yeah, everybody could dribble, and everybody could make yeah baskets. We played them one year. Five different guys took the ball out of bounds on out of bounds play. It's unguardable. It's unguardable. You cannot prepare for that. Four took it out one time. Next time a three. Next time a two. I think they had JJ Redick. They, I mean, they had Luol Deng. They, were, they, they beat us, but we played them really well. But I remember turning to Coach Watson. He says it's just pure brilliance. And he might have ran. Coach K might have ran like, and I, it was early in the year. Might have ran five or six plays, but he got mm-hmm. his guys to his spots. And I couldn't believe how like labeled how easy they were. It was like play three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just incredible. You know, just stand on the offensive concept. You know, you've told me once, like, you can't win, like, six to four. Oh, you have to be able to score. And I was just glancing at your numbers of your teams yesterday. Your team, St. Joe's, scored. Has it always been just offense ahead of defense, or is that disrespectful? Like, what is that? I I, I always – I think that everybody that you've ever coached, um, every team that you ever had, 
uh, every team that I've ever had and every player that I, they want to win. Right. Right. And for the most case, if they don't work hard, they're going to be weeded out. Right. So they're going to work really hard. But if you're put yourself in a player's shoes, would you rather work the offensive end of the floor or the defensive end of the floor? <laughs> so if they are honorable defensively, right? right? If they're honorable defensively, yeah. I think it's harder to score yeah. than it is to stop a team from scoring. I think, yeah, you could do your scouting report. Yeah. You come up with your, here's how we're going to the low post. Here's right. how we're going to the ball screen, right? Uh, here's the shooters. Here's the non-shooters. But to score the basketball takes such skill uh, that I, that's where I've been fascinated. Now, now I'm not talking Loyola Marymount right. fascinated, but I think when you can have a balanced team, you know, college game, four double-figure scorers. Yeah. Um, when you could have X number of players that can make three-point shots. Um, I think it's a joy to watch. Mm-hmm. I think it's a joy to play. Yeah. I think it's a joy to recruit to. Yeah. That that you can be considered. And, and I do not believe this. I do not believe that you can say, no, uh, we want to be great defensively and great on offense and great special teams. And we want to be great, 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 great. It's a pie chart. Mm-hmm. How much time do you want to spend? Yeah. Back to your practice areas? plan. Yeah. And if you go back and you say, we're going to split it right down the middle, then that's what you're going to be. You're going to be average on offense. You're going to be average on defense and you're not going to be good enough. Wow. You know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why you've been such an asset to Juwan and coach Howard and the staff, but you know, I've heard him speak a lot about, and I've watched a lot of his offense progression. The, this, what is this ball screen ID drill that you guys do? Um, I believe that Saudi Washington put it in from John Beeline. Wow. And basically, you put a guy in each corner, and they could be guarded by managers. They could be guarded by scout team. And then the ball screen is set. Obviously, you work on the proper angle there. And as they come off, the defense has been given a signal. Mm. Whether one, two, three, four, it might mean stay to the ball side corner. Yeah. Might mean come off the ball side corner. Might mean blitz the ball screen. So there, we do that so that we're prepared for whatever the team is going. Uh, could, however the coverage is. Right. You could take yeah. a scouting report and say, this is the way they're going yeah. to guard us. Yeah. And then yeah. partway through, they, they blitz you. Um, yeah. Make the adjustments. So right. it really is. It, it's um, yeah, it's a fascinating way. Yeah. And, and again, my only thing, my only thing, because as I've, I've yeah. spoken to you before, I like everything in practice to be competitive. I'd like to see that be competitive. Mm. So if if you scored yeah. seven out of eleven times, yeah. what's the with all these analytics, what what's what's yeah. above average? Yeah. And you should be scoring above average uh when, right. when you're going against yeah. who are not going <laughs> right. you know, all out. One of the things that fascinates fascinates me with Juwan and you guys is just like there's so many different actions and, oh. I, and I watch a game. And try to creating a catalog to maybe share with our staff, you know, like, hey, this is what Michigan's doing. And you guys will do so many things so many different ways and you'll tweak things. Is that just the MBA mentality? That, fascinating. Yeah. It's a it's, fascinating question. Uh, I am blown away. I'm blown away at our catalog, our offensive catalog. Yeah. And when I tell you that there are game on the day of games – 
we're adding a tweak or two. Mm. Uh, all of the, all of the, uh, uh, out of time out plays. He has them all. Right. Right. And so I've, because I don't always know what they are. Like I will ask a manager, you know, put that, put that on film for me. Wow. Put that on film. So, so that I have an idea. And, um, now we spend time studying it. So, right. So right now, Saudi is studying what's new defensively. Yeah. Howard Isley studying what's new offensively. I have zone offense and baseline out of bounds and sideline out of bounds and yeah, it's incredible. Late threes, incredible staff uh, you guys work with. Yeah, the uh, the offensive teaching mm-hmm. is extraordinary. My only thing is it has to be NBA, and I've only sat in, like I sat in a number of meetings with the Seventy Sixers. Yeah, and they would have a catalog, and they would say this is this is a, our set of plays. Yeah for this particular game or for this particular series. Um, yeah. He he is an extraordinary, extraordinary offensive mind along with Howard Isley. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll let you get out of here, but a couple quick things. like if So if I screwed up for you when I was a player for you, why would I not be running without a basketball? Oh, because you're not a track coach. Mm. And, and you're teaching a game that you love. Mm-hmm. You're teaching them to play a game that they So you love. would never have any discipline without a basketball. No. And and I would never use that word. Really? I would not use discipline. I would use consequences. Mm. So for instance, let's let's put all the whole this whole puzzle together. Yeah. Well, uh you said be on time. Right. What if I'm late? Okay, then you don't practice. Because you're walking into something that you love yeah. and you're going to come late. So your time's more valuable than my time mm. or John's time or Sarah's time or whoever's right. time. So for the first time, you don't practice. Yeah. Right? Second time, now we have it because now there's a pattern. Mm. So what, what, what am I missing? You know, and yeah. maybe, maybe it's as simple as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, coach, but, uh, I have to wait at home until my mother gets home because right. my sister in grade school. Right. Oh, okay. So let's, how do we work this? Yeah. How can we work with this? Well, uh, so, so my thing was, I'm a basketball coach. Everybody wants to work on skills. Everybody needs to work on skills. Then why would I not have consequences that involved skills? Not punishment, mm. not discipline. Right. Not discipline. It's awesome. It's truly awesome. What, what if you just like, I hate to use the word, but like lost your mind in practice, like just went off on the guys. Would you just I would be so bothered by it? I mean, I would but just, you wouldn't just you wouldn't just say like get on the line and nope, run. Nope. What would you do? Nope. Nope. Uh, you know, maybe uh, overly dramatic, throw them out of practice. Okay. Uh, uh, Does it go back to the respect for them as student athletes? I, or, I hope. I hope that's what it, I what think. It it's was. it's fascinating. It it, it just. Uh, you might be one of the only coaches I ever know that, or maybe I don't, maybe I, maybe I'm, I'm misspeaking, but for you to not, you know, have punt, like, you know, you go to so many practices, it's get on the line. Never, line never. Get, get, and, and like, if you needed a phone number or verify, I'll give you a number. And look, I already like, know coach. I, I just, I, I, how many, uh, now did they condition with, you know, like yeah, in yeah. College, yeah, we had strength and conditioning and, my only requirement for strength and conditioning was when we used to start practice on October 15th is October 14th, the strength and conditioning coach would walk in and I would say, are they ready? And he would say, they're ready. Mm. And that's, that's what I t- t- took. And there was no, yeah. there was no, uh, 
uh, conditioning responsibilities. And now there's consequences for your drills. So push ups, sit ups, jump ropes. Okay, there you go. Line drills. Because consequences. Maybe one of the things that I want to do is make you a better athlete. Yeah. I mean, if I can make you that much better athlete, are we a better team? Why do you love to recruit so much still? Uh, people. People. I'm, I'm fascinated by, and always have been, I've always been fascinated by people because I think every person has a story. And it, it's, um, I, I think that, that if you're involved in a process with young people and their families, think about that. Somebody wants you. Yeah. Somebody wants to give you mm. You know, let's put a number on it. Let's say that they want to give you a quarter of a million dollars in free education. Yeah. Um, and if I had a regret, there were probably times when I didn't hold others to be as respectful of the, of the process. This is truly a joyful process. Recruiting is a joyful process. Uh, and it's lost. It loses its joy when you are either making up a story and then having to follow the false narrative, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, to make it fit that recruiting process, or people are using you mm. and they're telling you, uh, you well know this. There's yeah. two answers in recruiting. Yes or no. There is no in between. It's there like is dating. No, I have to see. <laughs> I want to see. I want to be. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. What? I, would have you changed anything when you were a head coach as a recruiter? I, I don't, I don't really think yeah. uh, uh, that I would change yeah. how we operated. Yeah. Uh, having been here at Michigan, yeah. I think I would hold others more accountable for like, and I don't mean micromanage, yeah, but yeah, like what's going, what's going on there, right? And I, and I think for a very long time, yeah, it was just so focused on the player and his family. Well, there's a lot of people that have, yeah. Uh, that touch the yeah, play yeah, a role. Yeah. You, yeah. you have to, you have to be, yeah. Uh, more alert to that. How cool is it to watch for you and your wife to watch your son as an mm -hmm. interim head coach this year, win his first game. I mean, it doesn't matter if he was interim or head coach. It no, still is incredible. It was a, um, we're talking about, you know, coach Martelli's son, Phil, um, Phil jr. The, the fact that they've been in basketball, yeah. my whole family has been in basketball with my wife playing. And yeah. She coached in, uh, uh, obviously, everything that we have. Yeah. Uh, every material thing that we have is because of my career. Um, to watch my sons get into the business for the right reasons. Yeah. And not to have a, a handout. Uh, I knew he was ready. And I was surprised at how calm he was. Yeah. My wife was not calm and I was checking the score. You were in we practice, were, right? We were in practice and, yeah. I, and I had a manager yeah. like tracking the score for me. So yeah. um, the locker room scene that you shared with me, yeah. uh, that was, yeah, that was a great thing. And, and people would say, Oh, it's a crazy business and it's, it's tough. And yeah, you know, that, that, that's true. But if this is what my sons want to pursue, yeah. then I want them to pursue it um, with the highest regard, the highest integrity. Is the perfect day for you, the Jersey Shore with your nine grandchildren and children, mm -hmm. is that your perfect day? As long as I'm reading the Philadelphia newspaper, uh, <laughs> that's probably, that's a, a big part of it. But 
Uh, I just family. Act, family, family, and I know family. family's big for you. And I just always, you know, right now my struggle is, is like, I had a hard time the last few years of my career balancing my family and the job. Like, I wanted to be with my son twenty four hours a day. It's hard. Pulls at you. Yeah, it really does. It it, and it I, pulls at you, and that that's part of taking your temperature. Like you were yeah. taking your internal temperature. Yeah, and um, I I think that that in coaching, like. That's really, yeah. It's not, it's not, uh, bowling, yeah, basketball. No, it's really your team and your family, yeah. And for a very long time, I had it in that order. Mm. And then I thought, yeah, whether there was a family illness or something happened, I thought, you know what, it's got to be family first, yeah. And, um, at the end of the day, like that win loss, there's no, wins and losses as a parent. Like yeah. you, you have to win every day as a parent. It's a great lesson. And uh, I, I wholeheartedly respect the fact, you know, that you want to be there. Yeah. And um, this game can provide a lot of opportunities, you know, that, that other young kids can't get. Right. But at the end of the day, yeah. You're going to spend your time more time with other people's children than you are your own, and you have to get that. Yeah, you have to be able to balance that. Yeah. Well, one thing I though before we end this, one thing though that always blows me away is like your 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 social media with Twitter. Like, I almost feel like the kids you coach though become like like sons to you. Oh, like, uh, they really do. Yeah, it's they amazing. Really and 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 uh, look, what I went through. Yeah. It's traumatic. You've been through it. Yeah. It's traumatizing because somebody's telling you you're not good at what you think you're good at. It's happened to me three times now. I think yeah. I'm getting used to it, but, uh, no, but I hear you, yeah, uh, but not at your level. And I would say that through that, when you would get young guys yeah. in their 20s and they would end a text to you or they would end a phone call with you and say, Coach, I love you. Yeah. Um, and the extraordinary ones, and I'm not – Yep. Pointing yep. out, but but there's a young guy in this NBA draft. Yeah. This NBA draft, he'll be a first round pick. Uh, who I didn't coach. I would have gotten him at St. Joseph's, but I didn't coach him directly. Since he was 15 years old, every text and every phone call, love you, coach. Love wow. you. And I just happened to have. I just spoke to him yeah. the other day in between some of his draft workouts. Yeah. And. Uh, those kind of messages um, pulled me through a dark time, really pulled me through a dark time because maybe I didn't win mm-hmm. every game, but in there, in, and, and, but the other thing is because you do keep a scorecard, the guys that you don't hear from, you think, what did I do? Mm. I, well, I could have done more for that young man. Mm, that's pretty powerful. I always end the podcast with like, what are some simple tips for young coaches? Simple advice. Uh, silence is golden. Uh, uh, and I'm not knocking young coaches, but, but they often think if I talk more, people in the room think I know more when the people who are listening learn more. Mm. Okay. I think it's hard to learn while you're always talking. Yeah. I think you're always, uh, I think the second thing is to remember that it's people. And I, and I, it doesn't matter to me if it's the janitor at a high school, if it's the bus driver, 
I don't care if it's a manager in college, one of your student managers, in order to be respected and not respected because of your title. Yeah. In order to be respected, you must first give respect. Mm, it's powerful. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate our time, Coach. We, when you first moved in, we, well, for people that don't know, Coach Martell and I are neighbors, and I got to read all his Philly newspapers when they came in when you're on your road trips. But I was just blown away from the, the first time you moved in, and I turned to my wife, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Phil Martelli. And she's like, cool. And then I'm like, you don't understand. That's the 2004 National Coach of the Year, St. Joe's. And I ran through your resume, and she's like, well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I guess say something to him. And so I went over and I spoke to you and I just, from the, from the moment we first met, you're just one of the most genuine, humble human beings I've ever met. And when I knew I started with this journey of this podcast, I wanted to advocate coaches and help coaches. I, I had to speak to you because I knew your insight is really to me what coaching is about. You care about people. You're a teacher. Uh, you have the ultimate respect and you, you think a little differently and I love it. And yeah, I, uh, I don't, I've never, um, I just think that that uh, that I'm in the people business, uh, always have been, and um, I think it goes back to like every interaction that you have, you're going to learn, mm-hmm. and every interaction that you have, you have the opportunity to teach. Don't let that get away from you. Yeah, don't get away. So I appreciate you. Uh, uh, I, I, your, uh, your, your. Your reputation had preceded you when I said, "Oh, you know, there's a guy that lives around me that listens." They all knew you. Everybody in Michigan knows you. So I wish you great success with this. Thank you, Coach, and have a great summer. Be safe and enjoy that Jersey Shore. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Coach Phil Martelli. You were simply incredible. Thank you for being so honest. Scripted practices. Never say, "Let's do it one more time." Being on time, why no whistle in practice, the benefits of one-on-one play, consequences. The game is about people, not titles, his respect for high school coaches, and on and on and on. To me, Coach Martelli's thoughts on taking your temperature is maybe the best thing that I have heard in a long, long time. Getting a feel for your team, your players, incredible insight from Coach Martelli. Using this in your daily life. So practical. How about Coach Martelli being so vulnerable and even saying that he still needs to work on this in his daily life? A truly memorable conversation. We spoke for 60 minutes. We could have spoken for five hours. Who knows? Maybe one day we will. If you're a young coach out there, you need to reach out and connect with Coach Martelli. I know that Juwan Howard and the staff at Michigan is so lucky to have Phil as part of their team. Follow Coach Martelli on Twitter at Phil Martelli. I can't wait for you to hear my next conversation. As you can tell, I am all in on this podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platform that you are currently listening to me right now. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Instagram at Tell Me Your Story Coach. Follow Tell Me Your Story Coach on Twitter at Coach Kevin Dro. Let's connect on LinkedIn, Kevin Mondro. Remember, check out MoneyballSportswear.com. Enter the coupon code DRO, D-R-O, at checkout. Hey, if I can start a podcast, you can too. Check out my show notes and learn about Buzzsprout.
I have a ton of cool ideas on the horizon. Stay tuned. Be safe, be you, and keep coaching. And see you on the next episode of the Tell Me Your Story Coach podcast.